I've been working on the railroad. Oh, live a long day. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast. I hope we get information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 41 of 2023. I'm Chris Louie, and hoping I dodge the vid again from this week at Octane. With me, I have my co-host, The Hot Dad, back safely from Las Vegas with his wallet fully intact. That's so cute. You're so, are you scared of, of, of the COVID there, Christopher? You, you also scared of the dark? You have a little flashlight? And you wake up in the middle of the night to go pee to make your wife hold your hand when you walk to the bathroom? You scared of monsters too, buddy? I'm just curious. Let's see if my immune system was strong enough. I did meet hundreds, literally hundreds of people this this week, so we'll see how I fare. Oh, I'm so scared. My name's my name's so Christopher, they, and I'm scared. Did they clean up downtown like they did for RSA, or is it just a partial, like a, just a couple streets? A couple streets. There were a couple blocks within Moscone that had SFPD out in force, and if you went beyond that, it was very sketchy. It's always sketchy. Are they actually going to move RSA to, to Vegas? Or has it even been announced yet or no? I don't think I hope so. so. I hope so. Was it one the of you guys? The less I got to go to San Francisco, the better. Was it one of you guys that told me? Somebody told me that RSA will never move from SF because the city of San Francisco gives RSA the Moscone Center rent-free because they, it brings in so much economic activity that they don't have to pay anything for it. Definitely wasn't me. I don't know anyone. I'd have to go ask the uh, the chairman. Yeah. All right. Well, somebody told me that, so they said it'll, it'll never move because they get it for free unless somebody else can give them a better deal. This this like discounted butcher oh. meat. You get what you're paying for. So exactly. it's free. It's free. You might you That's might right. get raped or killed, but it's free. So it's great for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Glenn Medina. Welcome back, Glenn. Thanks for holding it down last week. I know. I just—it was hard to think like Brian last week. Like, what, what do you do? How do you fill in those those words, those those gentle words that he always has uh, during the show? But uh, yeah, we were able to do it, didn't we, Chris? It was yeah. tough, but we survived. It's a good show. Hopefully, we didn't lose we didn't lose viewership last week. So, yeah. if anything, you probably increased viewership or listenership. You. Fun fact, we started the uh, podcast today, and Glenn had zero audio issues. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it's true. Wow. This show's not over yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Brian jinxed it. We have a special guest this week, Jason Hernandez. What's up, J-Dog? Yep. And Brian, actually. We spent a lot of time together on booth floor duty. Well, Jason and I did, because Brian, like, he would just show up and then leave right away after his part was done. But Jason and I held down the booth at all the shows we've been at through various trade shows mm -hmm. and serves as our token Minnesotian. Jason, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks for having me. My name is Jason Hernandez. Looking forward to it. Uh, Pre-sales engineer in Minnesota, Wisconsin for Zscaler. Um, I've been traveling to a lot of conferences with Zscaler because I enjoy it because I also have three kids, six and under. So any chance to get out of the house is kind of welcome. <laughs> um, and uh, I live like the cool thing about me is I live a mile away from Prince's home. Hey, you know, he's dead, right? Here in suburban Minneapolis. Yeah, <laughs> what used dead. to be what used to be Prince. Yeah, the home. artist, right? be, artist formerly known as Prince. Yep. It'll always be Paisley Park. And uh, my, the part I'm looking forward to the most, I think, is the dad jokes. Did it turn into like uh, Graceland, where it's like just a homage to everything about Prince? 
Yes, it has. And in fact, the people are probably outside there Instagramming themselves in the middle of the street right now. Ugh. I don't think did I can. You just name... say homage, Glenn. <laughs> you did. You mean homage? Homage. homage. Whatever. Like a fromage. He's, a fromage. he's from the uh, inner part of California. They pronounce things differently. Yes. We say Tesla. Tesla. Avocado. Tomato. tomato. I watch. Ayahuasca. I watch. <laughs> so, so, Jason, uh, fun fact I can't name one Prince song because I don't know anything he ever did what are your top three favorite purple rain purple rain well, what are you talking about Ray? yeah little red corvette all right so i heard so let's purple rain let's go crazy and what else little red, little corvette. red corvette i'm gonna have to check these things out dude raspberry you... beret yeah when doves cry Ooh, i do know that That's song because busy bone remix <laughs> you guys remember that and it was called i think that was playing when you were taking pictures with your pink camera right no so busy bone from bone thugs and harmony did a, a remix to that song is when when thugs cry is actually what the when thugs yeah cry. Uh, i was like oh this is a good nice beat they're like it's really popular brand i'm like i've never heard of this dove song <laughs> now you have now i have party like it's 1999 1999 doesn't ring a bell you were there y2k party like it's 1999 brian brian just looks no. so awkward that we keep naming these songs and he has no clue about it <laughs> <laughs> hmm. brian do you have a favorite type of 80s music uh <sighs> no i don't think i do i don't think i listened to music in the 80s at all it wasn't until the 90s i got into hip-hop it was so a you, silent decade. So is it that you've never heard of Prince or you don't know any of his songs? I know Prince because Dave Chappelle really busted his balls <laughs> on the Chappelle, the Chappelle show. show yeah. Skits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it Game Blouses or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. That's about all I know. Well, combined, we have decades of information security experience here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I guess it's a good time to announce that I've switched roles here within Zscaler. I moved from the pre-sales side to the post-sales architecture team. I'm working again with friend of the show, Guy Marone, helping customers with all things cybersecurity. It's been about two months since I switched, and it's been great so far. What's the, what's the best part of it there, Christopher? Being able to form these connections with our existing customers. Ugh, it's threw up in my mouth. Sorry. Being I thought there. you were going to say it was the work-life balance. Trusted advisor <laughs> on all things cybersecurity. There's still, oh, so there's, you weren't a trusted advisor before? There's still no work-life balance in yeah, post-sales, so Brian. You know that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm happy for you, man. I'm glad you made the switch. And I'll be honest with you. Working for Guy is probably the, uh, the best mistake I ever made in my life, so... Maybe maybe it, there'll be a time where I come over there and hang out with you guys all over again. Yeah, we'll get the band back together. We'll get Glenn back, too. So no pressure on sales anymore, right? It's just being able to influence the customer and just build relationships based off of what's uh, inside of the customer already and just what, what's, yeah. what else is there. Yeah, pretty yes. much. I mean, we still have a number, but it's uh, it's a different different kind of pressure, which is probably better for my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> So does that mean less travel, same amount of travel? What what is that for Chris? Maybe less travel, right? Yeah, it's it's less right now. That's probably what I make of it though. If, if I do want to travel, I'm sure 
I can make it happen, but it's not not gonna be quite as demanding as it was on the pre-sale side. Are you like Jason? You need a break from the kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I have uh, I have I have twins that are three, and wow. that in itself is like a lifestyle. Yeah. So my wife is my superhero. Your poor wife. So did uh. Yeah, yeah. So did 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 you start out with twins, or did you have nope, one? Nope, we had twins? one kid. Thought gotcha. we were gonna have another one since we did such a great job, and then bam, two. You're too good at so your job, did, Jason. Wow. Yeah, planting yeah. seeds, buddy. So <laughs> did you or your wife have twins in the family? Who was the uh, the weirdo? We had some in our on family, both sides. You know, you never think it's gonna happen to you. Uh, on both sides, yeah. You never think it's gonna happen to you, but. I don't know. I think if I had twins yeah. on both sides, my, my side of the family and my wife's like, we're having twins eventually. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. Highly probable. Yeah. And what are the uh, genders? I'm sorry, I meant to ask. Uh, one of each. Fraternal twins, Ooh, a boy and a girl. Right. And then I have a six-year-old wow. son. So, that's, yeah. that's, that's a different type of possibility there, right? It is. Right. Paternal twins doesn't happen often. It's, yeah. So we found, yeah, fraternal twins. So we found out we're having twins. I turned white <laughs> at the clinic. And I had my house sold in 21 days because I knew we were never going to fit two more kids in that house. Wow. I mean, twins are small. You could have so done it's it. It's definitely. <laughs> At first. <laughs> exactly. We'll put them each in a shoebox. Yeah. yeah. A lot so of you guys changes. done? You going to have any more? No, I'm done. That's, I'm a happy father. Plug the pipes. You're done or she's done? Yeah, that's two very different. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> two very different responses. <laughs> yeah. Nice. This week, we're going to talk about common online scams. The fight for CSAM detection took a weird turn. For our third topic, Cloudflare misses a critical DDoS attack method. And close with some literal PEBCAC stories. For our first topic, I want to talk about two online scams that happened to people I personally know. The first one targeted my wife. She goes on... What? How's that possible? (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. It's hard to believe, okay. but she goes on Instagram a lot, and she follows accounts for local attractions. And there was one post that said to enter a raffle to win free tickets or something. You had to like the post. Well, she liked the post, and then a few hours later, she got a direct message from that account saying that she had won, and that she has to click on a link and provide her information, and that if she did not provide that information within an hour, they would move on to the next person. Ooh, urgency. Yep, they always exactly. get to urgency. Mm-hmm. So she was right. good at spotting this and thought it was fishy about the time pressure. So she took a closer look at the account that messaged her and noticed that the account had an extra letter in it. So it was a fake cloned account. The message had all the telltale signs of phishing scam. So thankfully, she saw through it and caught it before providing any information. Oh, I would have filled it out. I would have put. <laughs> some, I would have put like someone else's information, not like Mister Buck Futter. yeah or joe at aol.com joe gets a lot of email from me by the way so kudos to your wife for knowing that how funny is it cosmo doesn't have a w in it so i know and how funny is it that like modern security still relies on us having good reading skill because i mean i was essentially caught by someone catching a letter yeah it's like a completely cloned account they cloned the profile picture they cloned the the posts and everything word for word so it looked identical and if you if you were under that time pressure, you didn't look closely, then it would have been really easy for someone to, to not catch that. But she caught it, so good for her. My my daughter, the huh? angel that she is that does the photography, I was telling her, you should advertise on Instagram and uh, you'll get business from it because my other daughter does it for, uh, for the 
light eyelash extensions. And she's like, okay. And she's like, you know, I'm smart. I can figure it out. A couple days later, she's like, dad, I'm, I'm banned from ever posting or trying to boost a post on Instagram again. I don't know what I did wrong. I think I put my credit card number in the wrong. I'm like, I doubt it. Go in there and look. I'm like, she's, I don't know what she did, but she can no longer post uh, or, or, or advertise on Instagram or Facebook. And it sucks because she works so hard to she's in build jail. A get her Instagram following really, really high. I mean, high to her, right? It's the photography. I think it's like 2,000 accounts or something like that. But it's, it's really kind of a kick in the pants because like, the, the targeted advertising on Instagram is so great for my other daughter that does the eyelash extension. It's like the acquisition cost for a customer is like 10 bucks. Like it is, it's so easy to, to do that. Yeah. And she's charging, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Like it's, yeah, it's like shooting fish in a barrel at this point. How, how hard would you think it'd be for IG or anyone for that <clears throat> matter to train with, with use AI to go, Hey, listen, if you create an account and it's city spelled with two T's and you can look at the background image and it looks like the Citibank webpage, it's probably a fake account. Like how hard is that for these companies to do something like that? I think that? they already do something, that. Something very simple. <clears throat> probably, yeah. It's, it's a matter of catching it, you just reporting it, and then automating it. Yeah. that's. What... But I'm talking about just AI in general, right? Just catching it off the go so that way it never gets there. That was the whole point of having the verified check mark, but anyone with eight bucks can get that now. Yeah. I think what we should do is uh, AI to find any account with Brian spelled with a Y and just ban them. Those guys are losers, man. Yeah. That's what the Deech's version of Instagram would do. Yeah. The right. second scam is one that's been it's been going around for a while, but it hit someone I know recently, and the scam works like this. You list something for sale on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, and a buyer messages you and asks to take things over to text messaging. Still relatively innocent there. They say they want to buy it, but to make sure they're talking to a real person and not a robot, they ask if they can send them a six-digit code to the seller and have the seller read it back to them. What as is actually happening is the quote buyer is registering the victim's phone number to Google voice and creating an account for them. And the six digit number they ask you to read back is the verification code. Once the fake buyer registers the Google voice account, they now have a new phone number that they can use to scam other people. How devious is that? I tell you what, so devious. that's why I don't sell anything on Craigslist or Facebook anymore. I just, I'm done. You leave it on your lawn. Yeah, that's it. I'm just throwing it away. Yeah, yeah. I put it on the lawn, leave it for free, and I'm like, I'm done. I don't, I don't, I don't even buy stuff up there anymore, unless it's on eBay or Amazon or some some other site. Maybe Timu. Timu is a good site, right? Just too many (laughs) Tiger Direct. Apparently, that's a that was a website. Rest in peace, Tiger Direct. They're a good one. That's that's where you would buy PC parts before Newegg came in, and Newegg. Went to IPO over. and then they went yeah. had a management station. They're they're awful now. But Tiger Direct was legit. What about Fry's Electronics? Yeah. That's where it was at, man. He's talking about New Egg. Yeah, that's when you could walk into a store and actually pick another one. Up. We have to pour one out for. They used to spend yeah. hours. But when it comes to when it comes to marketplace cesspools, is there anything worse than next door? Because I always feel like on next door, I'm about seven comments away from being told to kill myself. <laughs> I'll, uh, my neighbor. Give away the free crap. <laughs> 
Wait, well, that's <laughs> like the bad echo chamber as well, right? It's like you post something really nice and well intent, and then people just turn on you. It's like, wow. Yeah, right. Nextdoor really has terrible. become like Facebook. I mean, it is it is getting pretty bad. It's supposed to be. I heard. But I could go on Nextdoor right now and post. I think we should all slow down on Highway Five. And literally in eight comments, I'll be told to like just jump off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so I will drive as fast as I want to, Jason. Yeah. That, that's right. funny that it's that hostile because you know I, I've heard things about Minneapolis being like whatever, like not not that cool of a town. I had to go there not so long ago, I think for like OptiCon, and uh, so I kind of had my guard up, and like everywhere I went, people were so freaking nice to me like i mean even at the gas station yep. i was like what the heck is going on there like, it's minnesota nice buddy and i just remember like walking out of my hotel or walking into the lobby of the hotel and i was just like i was being lazy i didn't want to have to like uber somewhere and i just went hey is there like a a local grocery store uh that i can just like pop in go find something and the lady's like oh come here honey and she like walks me outside and she's like giving me instructions to go down the street Banger right when I get to the light. I'm like, you, you could have just told me that from inside the hotel. Like, you had to walk me out. Like, so damn nice. So, anyways, my perspective on Minnesota is a little bit different now. Yes, but online we're yeah. demons. So that's the Talk crap side. behind your back. <laughs> Keyboard warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keyboard warriors. Yeah. There's there's that meme. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in the, the LinkedIn or something. But it, it's called the Internet FWAD theory. And it says, take a normal person give them anonymity, give them an on an, a large audience, presumably online, and they become a total F-wad. So I think that's probably that in play here. Hey, so let's go back to this, you know, this Google Voice. Like, have you ever tried, like, I've tried to register for a couple of things using my Google Voice number, and it says, no, nah, we're not going to do that because it's a VoIP number. Like, how are they getting around this, and what, what are they using these numbers for? It's probably not for registration. It's probably for like text message based scams, like those ones you get, like, hey, I'm in New York. Are you still there? And then you respond, you got the wrong person. It's like, oh, well, yeah. now that I have your attention, let me tell you about this awesome investment scam I'm running. Yeah. And you, you guys get those those random text messages. It's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, hey back, right? They go, what are you doing? I said, I'm slaying the next door neighbor's wife. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dude, I've seen yeah, a lot of fishing. Glenn has too much time on his hands when he has time to I do, do like I that. do. It's too much fun. Too much fun. Dude, Apple's fallen off a little bit. They, uh, they used to be like all the text message scams would come from like a green bubble. But nowadays, they've been getting them from like registered iCloud accounts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, we got, they're working the, the iMessage chain right here. They want the end-to-end encryption, baby. Well, if you report it, hopefully Apple can or will do something about it. No, I just click the link, roll the bones, see how good my security is. Throw it in browser isolation. All right, for our second topic, there was a letter that was making its round early in September, and I thought it was interesting, but I thought nothing of it, so I didn't include it in the show. The letter was from Sarah Gardner, the CEO of something called the Heat Initiative, which is an organization dedicated to fighting the spread of child sex abuse material, or CSAM. She wrote a letter to Apple CEO Tim Cook asking him to implement the client-side CSAM scanning on iOS and Mac devices before the photos get sent up to iCloud with the goal of discovering who the pedophiles are and reporting them to the authorities. If you remember, we actually talked about it on the show. It was last December when Apple said they were going to start doing this. Well, Apple's head of Trust and Safety responded to the letter in the 
Most polite terms of saying no, they will not be implementing the client-side scanning after the extreme backlash they received last year when they originally announced it. There's an excerpt from the letter here, and Apple commented, quote, After having consulted extensively with child safety advocates, human rights organizations, privacy and security technologists, and academics, and having considered scanning technology from virtually every angle, we concluded it was not practically possible to implement without ultimately impairing the security and privacy of our users. So Apple's fully within their rights to decide what to what to do and what not to do with their iCloud service, and they just said, no, we're not going to do it. Again, I, this wasn't a big story at the time. Go ahead, Brent. I was going to say, I feel like they probably backed out of this because I don't think a lot of people really understood how the technology worked. That was 100% the problem, yeah, because people are saying, you're going to put these images on my phone? Like, no, no, we're putting the hash values. Oh, what's a hash? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, it got way too complicated to to explain to your average iPhone user. So we had a... a oh, anytime. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, we, we had an interesting uh, conversation at our sales kickoff, and I was talking with all the CISOs. I was like, hey, you know, would, would it be possible on our platform if we could just leverage AI to detect CSAM stuff. The, and the answer that I got back was, number one, it was kind of a resounding, absolutely. The only thing that it would cost is this uh, engineering effort to do it. And then they said, what the problem is, is all the different foreign entities that you have. So it's one thing to have to try to solve this in the US. When you start to get out outside of that, there's rules and regulations. Like if you are proactively going out there and looking for this, then you're I guess challenging users' privacy as opposed to coming across it on accident and then digging into it and then making an arrest. Like it's a very complex thing across different geographies. I I, I was blown away by it, but uh, I'm not going to let this this one fall to the waste. I still think that that should be something that we should be doing. Heck, even at an island perspective, I think you guys should be doing it as well. I totally agree. I I just the the question is when where is that line and how's it crossed because. You know what's what, what you know like declaring something as as being considered a, a CSAM event, right? For one person, may not be like, hey, that that was an innocent picture. It was my daughter, right? And it was her birth picture, right? And now you've declared war on somebody, or or declared somebody as being uh, basically guilty without ever trying to go through any process. It's like it's like your daughter on Instagram being told that she can't sell anything anymore on Instagram or be part of that. It's like would that would be the same thing that would could potentially happen to you. It sounds it's like a bot, a bot, and not a human made that decision. So that's that's where you get yeah into the danger zone when you have automation and, and things like that. Well, I, it's a tricky subject. <clears throat> In Minnesota, we had a football coach who was fired. From his job because with a company or with a school organizational phone, he did exactly what he talked about. He took bathtub pictures of his children um, and he was let go from his position because of all the implications of that. Right. So when it comes to privacy, absolutely. The content is abhorrent, but there's also individual rights. Like when it's your, like, you know, the, like how can a picture of your child in a bathtub, right? That, that's a really sticky situation. I don't know if I'm overly sensitive, but I, I we've actually made that decision in this house. I said, if you take a picture of the kids in the bath or without clothes on, I'm like, I tell my wife, well, you're doing that on your phone. It's a little bit different <laughs> when you do it and the mother does it on her phone versus me. And I, I'm not a perv or anything, but it's just, like you said, it's the perception of it. Like, I don't want to have to explain right. this. Like, a mother taking a picture of their child seems to be more socially acceptable. 
Yeah. Right, the exact same thing. I, I do the exact same thing as yeah. you, Chris, for sure. Yep. And then you have the total opposite, right? It was just raw, violent photos. It's like, that is just unacceptable, where you just turn your head and you go, oh my god, I don't want to see that kind of, inf- that, that type of picture. Like, that I'm totally against. But, right. like I said, where's that, where's that that line and and who who's the judge right in those situations i was a systems administrator in education and we had a problem with children in our school district viewing beheading videos oh man when that was when there was more of those <laughs> what's wrong with that isis was around and like yeah <laughs> that was my introduction to content filtering was like trying to make sure that content didn't make it way onto school laptops and school ipads right and the Content, I guess Glenn is referring to the really abhorrent stuff. So that that's actually what Apple was trying to do. So there are safety precautions around you know potential nudity in, in photos, and that's that's what Apple ultimately landed on. They said if it contains potentially sensitive information, we'll warn users. We give parents the ability to block it. But also, we, there's known bad photos out there. So Nick Nick Mick National Center for Missing and Exploited Children they keep a database of this crap and they've they have the hash values of it so they said well if anybody has possession of any of these photos that's that should immediately be a crime and that's essentially what they're scanning for is is the the known bad photos on people's devices but that's a reach right like off by one one little two little numbers or something like that and miscalculation it, I, I i said i can see both sides it's just it's 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 tough. It's a tough. It's a tough call. They said in theory. I also can't imagine the content. In, in theory, they said the way that they would implement it would have a one in a trillion false positive rate. Yeah, right. So I'm, saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, I can't imagine the content moderators who have to collect and sort that material. That's got to be the worst job in the yeah, world. Yeah, for sure. Bro, there was a one of our our CISOs. Yeah, one of our CISOs, he said, he, I think he said he spent three years doing porn patrol for uh, the federal government. And the, he said the stuff he came across was just, it was like sickening, right? Like he was, it was just pornography in general, but he would come across the bad stuff in the moment that it happened. He would step away from the computer. Someone else would come in, take uh, custody of the information he was seeing, and they'd go out and make an arrest. Yeah, there's some legitimate people like on Facebook, I think, the content moderators there, and, and they they said what in their demands, which I think is 100% reasonable, is is counseling. After all the stuff they have to see, that then they probably do have some legit PTSD after seeing some of that stuff. So uh, Majorell, I think they're a company out of EMEA somewhere. They basically do all content moderation. I don't know if they do all, but they do a, a lot of it for apple facebook instagram linkedin all that good stuff and so uh, they have on-site counselors that are there to help people so you have all different things you go in there and talk you know if if something bad happens but what's interesting about what they do is that let's say that someone had flagged something as a beheading video on on facebook they will immediately put the hash out there to block it on facebook but then they'll share that with twitter i'm sorry x and Snapchat, all those other platforms, like it's kind of like a communal effort behind the scenes, which is kind of, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Well, the twist in this, and actually why I wanted to include the story on the podcast, because that in itself wasn't that interesting. We already hashed this out last last December, but an article in the Intercept this past week dug a little bit deeper into this 
organization called the Heat Initiative. And they found out that it was only recently started and they are solely funded by a dark money group that donates to the Democrat Party and left-leaning causes here in the U.S. And they also funded other organizations with goals of weakening encryption so that communications can be intercepted. And I, we've talked about it before, the, the fight for end-to-end -end encryption and governments trying to break it. What's their number one go-to thing every single time? It's protecting the children. So I think this is another protecting the children thing that they're saying to attempt to weaken encryption. But again, as we talked about it, it's this is a more acceptable way of weakening encryption than like a universal skeleton key or a, a backdoor. But we talked about it at the time, this is a slippery slope just because you detect CSAM material today, tomorrow China can say, I want to detect pictures of Winnie the Pooh. Is Apple gonna have to do it once the infrastructure's in place? Can they twist their arm? So it's, it's definitely gonna be a slippery slope there. So I, I have a conspiracy theory behind that. Uh, not necessarily the heat or Dharma initiative, uh, but it's around TLS 1.2 versus 1.3. So really the benefits supposedly of going to TLS 1.2, or I'm sorry, going to 1.3 is like zero RTT, so it should be quicker, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they, they removed all the weak ciphers and they made PFS kind of mandatory by default. But like as we move to the the internet and heck, even Starlink, that stuff is freaking fast. I don't really think I actually care about zero RTT in any application. So I felt like, uh, yeah, they, they, they made it look more secure, but there's got to be a backdoor somewhere in that TLS 1.3. Because if you look at it, just look, if you look at the, the RFC in, in general, the fact that they just took all the weak stuff out of TLS 1.2 and made that kind of the standards is like, well, what what am I getting security wise here? Like, what is actually making my life any better? Because uh, you can make TLS one point two one point three, right? You just remove all the weak ciphers and you make PFS enabled by default, and ta da, you have TLS one point three. Like, I don't I don't know if there's I don't know something doesn't smell right with it. it makes me wonder. I'm waiting for Chris to be like, whoa, 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 you forgot, Brian. There's that one feature in there that makes it even more secure. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to agree with you. I said it's not without precedence that that organizations like the US NSA we intentionally weaken bcrypt so that they could break the encryption, but our allies could not. Export ciphers, baby. But yeah, isn't the whole point though of one dot three is that it's it's less overhead on equipment, right? As they try and right, it's do it's that. one step instead of six steps in the handshake now. Yeah. You're talking about the Z and maybe that was the whole thing is like could you could you imagine having you know if you if you kept all those if you kept all those things in imagine what the communication path would be just on just the overhead on a device it it, it would be pretty it would probably take up like my Chromebook would probably would be spinning for days if it just had to work through that cipher. I don't know that the the technology stack is any wor or any better or any worse. To be honest with you, I think it took an um to be able to man the middle TS one point three wasn't like you just flip a bit. Like you had to like change open SSL standards. You had to make changes to kernels and SSL acceleration cards and whatnot. Like I think it was it wasn't a trivial effort. And I think it's like it's one less yeah. RTT, right? And then and in some cases it's zero RTT. And by the way, when it's zero RTT, what is it doing? It is. It's actually. It's actually breaking 
but I would be doing as a best practice in TLS 1.2. So in a zero RTT, it's assuming that I can actually just make this connection, right? It's, it's, it's doing a get, mm. a head, a post, or something, and there is no PFS in that moment in time for that one connection. So you look at that, and you're like, well, if I've, if I've stolen the private key, I don't have to worry about PFS. I saw a, a chunk of that data at some point in time, and maybe it could be used to manipulate that. I don't know. Congratulations. We've gone back to UDP. We'll just YOLO it and hope it works. <laughs> you know. You know who isn't you know who isn't concerned with uh, SSL decryption? A browser, because you are the endpoint. So I've got that solved already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well can you can you make it more secure then? If you're not concerned about it, how are you gonna make it more secure? it doesn't matter because I'll just use whatever protocols out there, right? 1.2, 1.3, all that's down the line. That, that's that's you guys. I, I'm more interested in what's inside of the application itself. You so. protocol slut. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll work with anybody. Yeah. yeah that's it. What are you, SD-WAN? Jesus. No. <laughs> Not even close. I know. But SD WAN's slutty by nature, but whatever. This this story is going to be interesting. I, I it's it's an always the fall of the money case. Hope maybe we'll find something from it. Maybe nothing will come out. But the Heat Initiative said they just got to really, really turn up the heat on Apple until they finally decide to implement this client side detection. So we'll see. Maybe they might fizzle out, or maybe they'll double down and really go after them. So they're only chasing Apple, but what about Android devices? Are those not part of this discovery no they're, they're they're not they're they're really targeting apple i think because of the end-to-end encrypted nature of it i because i don't know mm. if drive dropbox box all those encrypt data at rest where it can't be scanned because i know a lot of the cloud hosting providers say they already proactively scan this i think it if i remember correctly someone can fact check me on this i think it's because of how private apple is because of the full e-to-e encryption that not even Apple can read the data. Like Google can read your data. Dropbox can read your data. But I think it's because of the end-to-end encryption nature of Apple. They're, they're so strong on privacy. There's nowhere else they could do it. They have to do it on the client side. So, so real quick. When we had, go for it, man. Remember when we had Sahir and SP on and, and they were saying that they had these file decoys out there and all of a sudden these, these headless servers in AWS using OpenDocs 12 have been reading their files and they said they found out that these cloud hosting providers were sending these files over to AWS for content scanning that nothing they they thought that it would be safe up there but no they sent it off to some third party to do some scanning on it to make sure I guess there's no objectionable material or no illegal material in it but you you cannot do that with Apple because of the end-to-end encryption so with the whole like so let's I have a question for you guys so we use we as in the group here, minus Jason, but I'm sure you'll get being brought in now. We use Signal for communication, right? And it's got disappearing text, but the whole thing is it's end-to-end encrypted. So I'm sitting there thinking about this the other day. I'm like, well, <clears throat> I mean, Apple's end-to-end encrypted. And who's, who, at the end of the day, who is less likely to give in to a foreign entity, right? So one problem that we have with Apple would be like Pegasus software, which is a little bit of game of cat mouse. But... I think it'd be far easier to probably pick on Signal and get them to cave in than it would be Apple. Makes me wonder if we're using the wrong platform to message. 
I think they already did though, right? Signal Signal had to fork over some some files with some servers a while back. I, I thought I remember that in one of our podcasts. I think you're thinking Proton Mail. So Proton Mail had to respond to a Swiss warrant and give the users information on who owned the account. But Signal, most recently, UK is talking about a law that forces companies like Signal to install a backdoor for the encryption. And Signal says, if you do this, we're leaving your market, period. We're, we're never going to comply with that. We're, we'd rather exit the UK market than weaken our encryption. Ch uh, Apple, on the other hand, Apple folded like a, a cheap lawn chair when China says you must store all your your data, your iCloud data in a Chinese data center. So I'm, between the two, I think Apple has more to lose than Signal. Well, it's because they have devices, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I I can I think this is virtue signaling by signal. Yeah, let's let's put something out in the press that you know, the EU or who who was it? Is the UK. The UK wants us to put it back to war and we're going to tell them no, we're going to leave, we're going to take our crap and go home. And then meanwhile behind the scenes they're like, "Yeah, here's the actual open door everyone." You know what I mean? Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I if I'm liking what they're cooking. Yeah. Well, thankfully the UK flinched and they changed the law so that signal does not have to put a backdoor in. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah. Exactly. All right, we're running tight on time today. We're gonna skip topic number three. Maybe Aww. we'll revisit it next next week. But what? for it's because Jason won't show up. Last topic. I was just talking. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> For our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about Jason's experience during I, doing IT support for schools. As he mentioned, he did do that for a, a, a little bit. We all know that Brian was a menace to the computer systems that hit the schools he went to, but I want to hear some school IT support stories from Jason. Cool. Um, I was a assistant admin in education. I also did some technology support. Um, the, the school district where I work, we had um, uh, every high school student had a laptop, a MacBook. We also had iPads in middle schools and elementary schools. But my specific thing that like brought me to Zscaler was that uh, when COVID started, I had 14,000 devices walk out the door. And I had a very expensive, like uh, curated perimeter we had for content filtering and for like control over those devices. And how useless did that become like literally overnight when all those devices went home? And so we had uh, people doing their remote education at home. But then we had like about 200 users say, you know what? We're going to take our family back to India. And we still want you to deliver like the same education experience and the same content filtering you did when we were in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Um, and that was like my experience that I think we help a lot of customers with is like all my devices have left the perimeter and I'm still responsible for that content filtering. Um, but as far as having... 14,000 laptops on it. Like that's 14,000 high school, like active adversaries on your network every day. <laughs> There's no better training ground than like having, uh, having that, that, uh, I mean, kids, they have yeah. every sneaky way of getting into your networks, trying to like get out of tests, trying to um, get into your infrastructure all the time. So it was, um, and most of the time when I ran into those kids or caught them, I just thought like, this is a future IT employee. Future hacker. <laughs> this this the future kidding. hacker. Yeah, future yeah. hacker. We right? could be, um, future sysadmin. Blue future team, cloud red team. Yeah. Right. I'll do the Brian. So it, was, it wasn't me. Prove it. <laughs> 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 Even an education attribution is tough. Yeah. So. yeah. 
But uh, I enjoyed it. A great time. Like block, yeah, blocking content was probably one of the main maintaining SIPA compliance for um, education content. That was probably one of the hardest parts. So I, I got it. Had nothing to do with with the, you know, the technology, but like or the security controls. What made that school district choose between Chromebooks and Apple devices? Because there's probably a 10x cost delta between Chromebooks and, and Mac. Minnesota people love paying taxes. There? That's why. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's a it's a school district in a uh, probably like a wealthier suburb of of Minneapolis. So okay. I would say that played into it. The rep the relationship that our administrators had with the Apple salespeople probably played into it. And then like parent demand. Um I worked in a different district that had Chromebooks and honestly they just kind of become disposable technology after a year and a half or so. Um they just don't maintain they just aren't durable enough like for student daily use compared to an iPad, like in a solid Lodge um, type case. So I think uh, like device durability and like parent expectation were probably the two largest parts of it. I mean, that's shelling out like close to probably like three or $4,000 per per kid, right? And you're talking 14,000 yep, devices. And every, yeah. And every device was managed by Jamf. Yeah. Which is I, one of the platforms I managed, yep. I can't imagine that that, that Apple salesperson was like, High-fiving themselves as they're leaving the school. <laughs> High-fiving the administrators. 14, yeah, the administrator got some yeah, nice paid yeah. vacations yeah. from the Apple rep, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think they live on a lake in Minnesota. So was there anything wow. super sketch going on that these kids were able to do? Um, like I talked about the beheading videos, it was always content. And then, I don't know if you have kids in high school. I don't yet. But the the numerous ways that kids find a way to like make each other's lives hell typically like through cyberbullying was always like a concern mm. of ours too and we would like be on the technical front end of that but that was typically like a conversation for deans but and like it's not really hacking as much as it would just be fraud like kids are just so careless with their passwords and credentials oh, yeah. so we'd have one kid like you know take another kid's credentials and do all these terrible things and then try to go back and determine when this happened and who's actually responsible um, but like I said, I would try to take that off my desk as a technical concern and make it like a, a dean of students concern as much as I could. Do you hear me? My daughter, still, she's still relatively young, but they, they have passwords that they have to log into the shared iPads with. And even now I teach her, I said, passwords are like underwear. They should be changed frequently and never share yours with someone else. <laughs> we're we're going to co- coin that phrase here on the show. Yeah, so. that's, that's a t-shirt if I've ever uh, I've on. seen Zscaler making... I've seen Zscaler making more offerings in education, and that's super useful because I would have loved to have Zscaler at the school district where I worked, but typically you're pinned to like these lower quality providers um, when it comes to content filtering solutions built in AWS. And trying to do like SSL inspection for encrypted traffic for something built in AWS, the throughput just isn't there. The compute isn't there. Yeah, so, so, so the, the, the vendors are just not that great. So I, I can see that working for K through 12, but if you go higher education with SSL decryption, that's just not... That's not possible, yeah. right? Because right. pr- privacy takes the turn there at that point. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You would think it'd be stronger for privacy protections for minors, but yeah. And when, once once that person turns eighteen and it's in higher ed, it's 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 a different kind of privacy for sure. Yeah. The uh, well, the pack file I was deploying on iPads was about a mile long because it was just impossible to control the whole internet. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah, what. I remember. So I've I've. I've never been an admin for a school. I've taught at a school before, but I've I've seen some pretty funny and crazy videos online. There's one 
video of, of a guy recording he's he's on the computer he's going youtube.com and it shows like the mcafee block page like you're not allowed to browse youtube at school and he pans over to the to the right to the, the kid on the computer in the right and the, the kid's like browsing Pornhub. <laughs> it's on the same network but <laughs> mcafee somehow didn't block that Dang. yeah so I, I in previous life i did the same i sold to to school districts in california and you're right. These kids are pretty ingenious, uh, you know, translate, using translate to get over to sites that they shouldn't go to. Right. So, you know, you have to kind of do that secondary blocking on other requests that are going through. The other ones are the kids that know and understand how to do a curl. So it, trying to get to information, it, it's a it, it's, it's whack-a-mole with these kids. At some point, you're just you, you can only do so much. I think if you catch 80, 90 percent. Um, and then just understand that 10% will be done through logging, right? You just have to be able to just figure out where they went and what they did. They're the best pen testers. Yeah. They are. We also had a lot of parents like trying to offload parenting to us as technical administrators of the school district. Um, when really like, you know, they would want us to like time out the iPad or device and we would turn around and say, can you just take it away from them? But that was never an option. <laughs> yeah. No, so. can't you do it? <laughs> can't yeah. tell Johnny yeah. no. And by the way, could you take my kids' tests? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah i remember i remember that a number of years back the los angeles school district bought 20 30 million dollars worth of ipads with with uh mdm software on it it, it took the the school kids two days to figure out how to crack the mdm and and, and jailbreak the ipad yeah yeah likewise if, if a kid got a local administrator password to one of our macbooks it was game over I mean, at that point they could do practically anything they wanted to and they send it to all their friends, and they send it to all their yeah. friends, and it's, it's it's over at that point. It's a yeah. dead deal. For my kids, it was always kids. Will also, be kids. one last thing I'll say about last thing I'll say about education: you could take these same kids and like point it at access point the ceiling and say, "What is that connected to?" And, and they would have like no clue like what an underlying network infrastructure looks like, but they would be the wizard of their own device. Yeah. Well, that's that's our job: educate the next generation of cybersecurity experts, hopefully for good, not for evil. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, our guest Jason is up. Bring the heat, Jason. All right. I love dad jokes. Um, so a group of dolphins is called a pod and a group of falcons is called a cast. So if you're watching the Miami Dolphins play the Atlanta Falcons, technically you are watching a podcast. Hell yeah. That's a good one. I like it. <laughs> nice podcast joke on a podcast. There you go. <laughs> Try to be topical. And if wah, one of the wah, other teams wah, wah. is the Arizona Cardinals, then it's definitely got a bunch of pepcac people there. <laughs> <laughs> When's Think the new so. Call of Duty drop, Brian? <laughs> uh, can't wait till we fire that dude. <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, watch out for Instagram phishing scams at anyone asking for a six-digit verification code. The fight for end-to-end encryption took a weird turn with Democrat Party dark money. The problem exists between the chair and the keyboard. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you to all the listeners and subscribers who raised five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host, Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, and our guest, Jason Hernandez. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day.
Bye, Felicia. You never for, you never forget to say that, Glenn. We love it. What's a what's what's a keyboard? <laughs> Wait, are you gonna tell me when to hit when to hit stop recording? Yeah, he can stop now. Almost there. <laughs>